0: It's so great to see you here this morning. Today is a special day in the life of of believers in the Lord Jesus. It's the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's a day that changed all of history. It's a day that changed my life. And as I think back over this past year, it's been a difficult year, has it not? I mean we weren't even able to physically gather together last Easter. And we on last Easter remembered that it's a day of hope. Even as we weren't meeting together, this is a Easter is about hope. And we remembered that Easter's always been about an empty room and that we could still worship and we could still celebrate Easter even when we weren't physically together. But 2020 was difficult. People have struggled in so many ways. People have dealt with isolation and with loneliness, with depression. People have dealt with fatigue from constant changing of of things and rearranging of plans. People have dealt with fear of the virus, fear of of what it might mean for someone that they love. And people have missed celebrating holidays with family and friends. They've missed gathering together as a church family. They've, They've missed special occasions like birthdays and graduations. And on top of all of that, there's been some crazy things happening all around the world this past year. These are some of the major headlines from 2020. We just thought it started bad. In January of 2020, when we read about wildfires in Australia that had consumed 47 million acres of land. And then later in January, when Prince Harry and Meghan Markle had stepped down as senior royals there in the royal family, we thought, boy, this year's kind of gotten off to a weird start. And then there was this headline that came across that s- didn't seem s- such a big deal at first, that the World Health Organization had announced that a novel coronavirus had emerged in Wuhan, China. We didn't know what all that would portend as the year went on. Into February, we saw where Harvey Weinstein was convicted of sexual abuse and rape, highlighting the abuse of thousands of women in the country in the Me Too movement. As COVID began to spread across the world in March of 2020, it triggered a global recession that made March the 9th the worst single-day drop in Dow Jones history. As the year progressed into the summer, our television sets showed us images of Black Lives Matter protests that were held across the country after the deaths of George Floyd and Ahmad Arbery and Brianna Taylor. Not long after that, we learned about murder hornets that had come over from Asia uh, into the Northwest that were wiping out bee colonies in just a few hours. <laughs> On August the 4th, a massive explosion in the port of Beirut, Lebanon killed hundreds and injured thousands of people. And then in, back in our own country... At the end of the summer, massive wildfires were in California and Oregon and Washington burning millions of acres. It was sort of like that infomercial that's like, but wait, there's more, you know? That's kind of what 2020 felt like as as we just kept going throughout the year. But through all of this, many of us were now spending a lot of time at home. We were wearing masks, and we were isolated and separated. We were missing family. We were missing friends. We were trying to learn new technologies and try not to look silly on Zoom meetings. We were trying to to make sense of of all these things that were happening around us. A lot of businesses struggled. Some of them closed altogether. We saw COVID cases steadily rise, and we saw COVID-related deaths steadily rise and many of us got sick at some point throughout the year some of us even lost loved ones this past year like my grandfather then we started to, to get vaccines and started to sort of re-emerge in society but any way you look at it 2020 has been a rough year and so today what I want to share with you is that as the church, we have a message of joy. A message of joy. Uh, That we can have joy even in the midst of trials. That we can have joy even in the midst of tribulations. That we can have joy even in the midst of traumas. That we can have joy even in the midst of travail. And so today I want to give you some good news that's what we call the gospel. That the gospel, that word literally means good news. And that's the difference between Christianity and all the other religions of the world. All the other religions of the world are telling us a list of things that we need to do or a list of things that we don't need to do in order to try and find forgiveness or to try and find salvation. But Christianity is different. It isn't a list of things to do. It's news. It's a proclamation of what has been done. It's a pronouncement of what has been accomplished for us. And we must simply receive this good news and believe it. And this gospel changes everything. It changed everything history. It changes your life. It changes your eternity. It changes your mind. It will change your family and how you interact with others. And so today I want to show you how the gospel is good news even in the midst of all the bad news. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd ask that you stand in honor of God's word if you are able and turn with me to the book of First Peter at the end of your Bibles, First Peter chapter 1. We're going to be reading in verses 3 through 9. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. The word of God says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You're being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you. You may be seated. Today, I want us to focus on this passage of scripture and consider how we have unfading joy in a relationship with Jesus. And so the first thing that we see in this passage of Scripture is we have an unfading source of joy. In verses 3 and 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of His great mercy that He's given us. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that's imperishable and undefiled and unfading that's kept in heaven for you. And so our... Our joy is unfading because it comes from a faithful God. Our hope is not dead. We have a living hope because it's tied to a living Savior. And although they killed him on Good Friday, he walked out of the tomb alive on Easter Sunday. And when he did that, he proved that he really is the Son of God, that he is the conquering king. That he's the source of hope and of salvation and of joy. Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans 15, 13. And he said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and with all peace as you believe. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, would God, who is our source, fill you with all Joy as you believe. And so as Christians, what we come to realize is that our joy is not tied to our circumstances. Most people live their lives in that way. If things are going well, then they're happy. If things are going right, then they're joyful. But the moment that something goes awry, then they lose their joy. When someone cuts you off in traffic, whoo. When someone says something ugly about you, when you lose your job, when you lose a loved one, when something happens in your family, when a pandemic hits, then there's no joy in your life because your joy is tied to your circumstances. But how can Peter then write to these Christians in this letter and tell them that they will rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. I want you to consider who he's writing to. If you look back up in verse one of chapter one, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, here's who he's writing to, to those chosen, living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, He is writing to Christians who had been scattered all across what is modern-day Turkey. And he says that they are living as exiles. They're scattered abroad because of persecution, because of hardship. And they are foreigners living in a strange land. How could they possibly have joy? I mean, everything in their lives is turned upside down. Everything... That, that they would have liked has gone wrong. But he says that they would rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and glorious. Paul would write to the church at Philippi in Philippians 4.4, and he reminded them to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again as another reminder. Rejoice. He says I will rejoice in the Lord always. How can you rejoice always, only if your joy is not tied to your circumstances, but to your Savior. See, that's when you realize that your life really isn't about making a lot of money. That's when you realize that your life really isn't about being the most popular kid in class. That's when you begin to realize that your life really isn't about Everything falling your way in life. That your life is about having a relationship with your creator. The author Tim Keller writes, If you glorify me, if you center your entire life on me, if you find me beautiful for who I am and myself, then you'll step into the dance, which is what you're made for. You're made not just to believe in me or to be spiritual in some general way, not just to pray and get a bit of inspiration when things are tough. You're made to center everything in your life on me, to think of everything in terms of your relationship to me, to serve me unconditionally. That's where you'll find your joy. He says that you were created for this relationship with God. So that means it's the most natural thing that you could do. This is literally why God made you, to have a relationship with him. And you're not going to experience true joy without it because your life won't find its true meaning without it. You might find some temporary pleasures. You you might find moments of happiness, but you're not going to find a deep, An abiding joy. You're not going to find a joy that overcomes your circumstances. That only comes from an unfading source. That only comes from Christ. And so Peter writes to these Christians and he reminds them that they have an unfading source of joy. That although they are exiles that are scattered, dispersed abroad, that life isn't going how they had imagined in their 10-year plan. He says that you can still have joy because it comes from God. Secondly, in this passage, he says that we can have joy because we receive unfading strength from God. In verses 6 and 7, he says... You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, it may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says that you rejoice in this. What is this? That he's talking about. What is this that we rejoice in? What this is, is that we have a hope and a home in Christ. What this is, is that we have a family and a future in Christ. What this is, is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading that's kept in heaven for you. He says, You can rejoice in this. That God has promised an inheritance for us, his children. That it's a new heaven and a new earth. And in it, there's not going to be any more sin or shame. There's not going to be any more darkness or death. There's not going to be any more pain or pandemics. There's not going to be any more sickness or strife. There's going to be no more loneliness or loss. He says it is paradise. And in this place, there is happiness, and there is peace, and there is light, and there is salvation, and there's family, and there's celebration, and there's worship, and there's holiness, and there's joy, because there is God. Because there's God. He says, this is what we're looking forward to. This is what we're holding on to as followers of Jesus. Because it isn't good all the time now. But we have this inheritance, this imperishable, this unfading. Adniram Judson, great missionary, said that the future is as bright as the promises of God. We look into the future, it's as bright as what God has promised for us. And that joy is gonna result and unfading strength in our lives. Who here has had a tough year this past year? Two of you. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Has anybody gone through difficult times this past year? Let's be honest for a minute. What Peter says here is that it's just for a short time, that we're going to suffer through these various trials, but it's going to prove the character of our faith. He says that gold, he says it's like gold that's refined by fire. We know how this melting process works, that you heat up gold to this very high temperature and it, it, it melts off all the, 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 the gross stuff, the impurities in the gold, and they skim it off the top and what's left is, is pure. And so when the heat is turned up, the good stuff comes out. And that's what it ought to be like with our faith as well that when the tough times come, that's the time that our faith really shines in moments like what we've gone through this past year. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12 that we are to rejoice and hope and to be patient in affliction and to be persistent in prayer. The struggle this year has been real. And for a lot of us, we've just sort of tried to to trudge on, on our own, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. That's what we've, you know, sort of been taught, to suck it up, just move ahead. But that's not what I'm talking about here, because I know that there have been times that you felt really weak. There's been times that I felt really weak this year. There are times that you felt really down. There are times that you have felt really alone. There are times that you felt really overwhelmed. There are times that you thought, I can't go on. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, that God has said unto us, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in those times of weakness. Therefore, He says, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power would reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and in persecutions and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. That we draw strength from the Lord when we're weak. We have an unfading strength. We're rejoicing in hope and patient in affliction and persistent in prayer. As we go to him in prayer, he fills us. As we draw near to him in his word, he speaks to us. As we seek him in worship, he meets with us. As we find fellowship with brothers and sisters, he supports us. So we don't have to be strong on our own because our strength comes from an unfading strength. It only comes from Christ. And our faith is in him so it's unshakable because he's unshakable. And so I want you to know today that even if you feel weak, that's the best place you could be if you'll call on him and find this unfading strength to fill you. The last thing that we see in this passage of Scripture this morning is that we have an unfading salvation. Where is it that you find this source? Where is it that you find this strength? You find it through an unfading salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Easter's all about. It's about the world being hopeless and helpless in sin. But Jesus came to save us. It's about us facing death because of what we've done. But Jesus died in our place. That although it looked like all was lost, that the tomb was found empty on the third day. And we can be saved from our sin because of what Jesus did. Because he took all of our sin upon himself on the cross. God's wrath, his judgment against my sin and against your sin was poured out on Jesus as he hung on the cross in our place. That's why he exclaimed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was receiving our punishment in himself. But he stayed there of you because of me and he suffered and he died in our place and he cried out it's finished because he had done it all he had prayed paid the price for our sin and when the stone was rolled away and the living savior walked out of the tomb on easter sunday morning everything was changed forever that instead of judgment, there would be forgiveness. Instead of death, there would be life. Instead of hell, there would be heaven. Instead of wrath, there would be a relationship. And all of this is possible because of what Jesus did. And he calls on us to believe in him by faith, to believe and who he is, to believe in what he did, to call on him as the savior who will forgive, to confess him as the king that we're going to follow. And when we do that, the Bible says we will be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. And that's the good news. It's God's announcement to the world. It's not a list of things to do. If that were the case, then we would always be unsure about our salvation. Have we done enough? Did we mess something up? Do we need to do some more just to be certain? But if your salvation isn't based on what you've done, but upon what Jesus did, then it is certain. It isn't a list of things to do. It's good news about what Jesus did on Easter. And what Peter reminded these Christians that were scattered abroad is that they could have joy knowing that this salvation was secure. In verses 8 and 9, he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He says we love God and we believe in God and we walk in joy in God because our faith is sure and we are receiving as the reward of our faith, our salvation. We Believe this good news. This news that tells us that we're really forgiven of our sins. This news that tells us that we're truly set free from the consequences of death. That we are now part of God's kingdom. That we belong in God's family. When we live knowing that we have an unfading salvation that doesn't depend on me, but grounded in our faithful Lord Jesus. Then you're not worried about momentary light afflictions. You aren't overcome with grief in your circumstances because you know how the story ends. You know that our king crushed Satan underneath his feet. You know that we're going to be rescued. You know that everything's going to be restored. You know that we will overcome because of what Jesus did on Easter. And the gospel is good news even in the midst of bad news. This morning, I want you to know that you can receive this good news as a gift into your heart. The Bible does say, That all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And there are some here this morning who may have realized that you're missing out on this most important thing in your life. It's why you were created. It's how you will have true joy in your life. It's how your, your life will find real meaning and purpose. Because this is why God made you. To have this relationship with him. And you are going about in life, trying all sorts of different things, trying to find joy, trying to find happiness, trying to find meaning, trying to find purpose, trying to make sense of your life. And I'm telling you today that it only makes sense in Jesus. That God sent him to save you from the sin in your life, that sin that separates you from this relationship with God. And there's nothing that we can do to make that sin go away it would only be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. The blood that he shed on the cross for you and for me because the penalty for our sin is death. And so he died there for you. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead on the third day. And when he did that, he proved to us that he really is the son of God that he really is the Savior of the world, that he really is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that you can have forgiveness of your sins. You can be washed clean of your sin. You can have a relationship with God again through Jesus. And there are people in this room right now who need to make that decision in your heart. There are people that are watching with us online right now who need to make this decision in your heart. In a minute, we're going to have a time of response. We're going to stand, we're going to sing. There's going to be leaders here across the front. And if this is a decision that you want to make in your heart, then I want you to come to the front and to share that with one of these leaders. To say, today I want to do what the preacher was talking about. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to have this relationship with God. Maybe you're watching online. You can pick up your phone and you can text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241. Do that right now. And let us know that this is a decision that you want to make and we'll be sure to follow up with you. But don't let this moment pass. This is what today is all about. This is what your life is all about. Don't let this moment pass by. Christians, today, as we think about this passage of Scripture, my prayer is that you would have unfading joy that you would realize that your joy is not tied to your circumstances but to your savior that you would have an unfading strength that comes from an unfading source that's promised an unfading salvation to you and that you would walk with that joy today so maybe this has been a tough year maybe you find yourself spiritually dry maybe you find yourself not where you want to be in your walk with God, then I want to encourage you to spend some time in prayer there at your seat or even here at this altar calling out to God today that he would give you that joy, that he would give you that strength to walk with him today. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we give you thanks today for your word, Lord, for the joy that we have in jesus god it has been a tough year but god we have good news even in the middle of bad news and lord we can walk in that good news every single day and lord the testimony of your church throughout the annals of history is that we walk in strength and in joy and in hope even in the darkest of times God, we are thankful that we can do that because you are with us. Lord, you give us strength. You are our source. You are our salvation, our hope, and our joy. And So God, I pray today for those in the room that are in tough times, struggling. God, that today they would seek you and find you for strength, for joy, for hope, for life. And God, for those who are here that need today to make this decision of salvation, to make this decision for forgiveness of their sins, that today they would find the real meaning of their life. Today they would find the real meaning and purpose of their life. Today they would find the real joy in their life through Jesus. So God, I pray that you would move during this time in our hearts. God, that we would be obedient to how you're leading us in our lives.